Because, like, so... Yeah, Damien, you're transitioning. Well, maybe. So to speak. Well, that's why I want <clears throat> to talk about it. Welcome, everyone, and pull up a seat at the table. It's lunchtime in Rome. Tonight's episode 218 is entitled Anti-Comfort. Too often we try to comfort someone, and not only does it not work, they end up feeling worse, and we feel frustrated. Why is that? Why doesn't it work? What can we do about it? That's what we're talking about tonight. So pull up a seat at the table and join us. First-time listeners, you can subscribe on our favorite on your favorite podcast app or watch us live or later at youtube.com forward slash lunchtime in Rome. Visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com, and while there, you can take our relational needs questionnaire. Make sure to follow us on all social media, and it would be great if you gave us a five-star review. Jay, what specifically is this podcast about? Being alone is the worst. Good times aren't as good, and bad times are worse when you're all alone. Romans 12.15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is how you keep people from being alone and what this podcast is all about. We demonstrate that in the first 15 minutes of the podcast, and we talk about it for the rest. So while it may not be 12.15 in Rome, we're treating it like it is lunchtime in Rome. Without Chris. Minus Chris. No Chris. <laughs> Losing yeah. his voice again. Man, the sickness is going around. He is down with the sickness. So I went, I had my yearly checkup with my oh, doctor. did you now? To, today, this morning. Hate and, those. Uh, oh, they're the worst. Yeah. So I go <laughs> like the Nate Bergazzi, and, uh, Nate Bergazzi thing when he goes, you know, when you're young, it's like a drive-through, whatever. Yeah, then yeah. once you turn forty, they're like they close the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> so I get in there, and the the nurse takes my blood pressure, you know, whatnot, and it's one fifty over eighty. She was oh. like a little high. Wow. <laughs> I was like, now do you get blood pressure yeah. phobia? Well, I said, well, I'm or anxious. Little, I said, I'm a little nervous. And I drink a lot of coffee. And she said, that's fair. And thanks for being honest. And uh, and so doctor comes in. <clears throat> and uh, he's like, I want to retake your, blo- your blood yeah. pressure. And I said, yeah, that's cool. And uh, so we're talking. He's like, yeah, oh, you dropped some weight. That's good. A little muscle redistribution. I've been seeing him for 15 years. And okay. I was like, I've been muscle working out. Muscle redistribution. Hmm. Yeah. Um, he's like, doing a good job. That's great. Um, you know, he's like, and now, you know, we don't have to do the prostate exam. Yeah, yeah not, not until 50, you know? And then he retook my, uh, that's what he said, until 50. Well, my point is, uh, pro- they, okay. So, mm-hmm. so he retook my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my blood pressure. He said, well, maybe you could anyhow. <laughs> and, uh, I was feeling frisky today, Doc. <laughs> it went down, went to, you know, 140 and yeah, over 80 or whatever. Like, normal. He was like, well, that's normal. And I was like, well, I relaxed after you said we didn't have to do the prostate. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> and he laughed. It was it was good. But good checkup. But I'm on my third antibiotic. Nice. I'm on a Z pack. You're on a third antibiotic. Yeah. Wait, did you have to did he give you um any kind of prescription to go get a like a um panel test for like be being over forty and doing like lipids and stuff like that? I get to, my lipids checked, um, Every year, anyway, because I had gastric bypass, so oh, I get okay. my my uh, thyroid and my lipids blood test every year. Okay, yeah, yeah, because that's, that's one of those what? things where I like I walk away from my um, my doctor's visit, and he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to make a thing for LabCorp." I already sent, and I'm like, "Yeah, okay," and I just don't. I don't know why I don't. Like, why don't I do that? Well, wait, why don't you do what? Go get the test done. Like, he's already sent the prescription in for me to go get the test done. My question is, why don't they just do it there in the doctor's Why don't they office? just do it? Like, it's a it's a pee test. Just take my pee right uh, here while I'm there. No, it's a blood test. It's a blood test. Um, which e- either one they do like, that too. I'd, I'd rather a there. I'd rather them just do it there because yeah. then he p- it, it's on me to make a follow up thing. And well, that's too much. Well, too you much. might have to like. I know historically I haven't scheduled my blood test with my doctor's visit, mm-hmm. so then I either have to come back or I have to go to like a third party quest. However, so if you request it, maybe they'll like they so that way like they have I'm somebody there. that does, that takes blood while you're there. We have the same PCP though, mm-hmm. and I just walk right over and they jab my arm. Really? Yep. Now, I also get that done for my thyroid, but... Mm. And yeah. that might Anyhow. be why, because, I mean, 
and it might be different because mine's for my gastric bypass and thyroid. So. Well, and you've also dealt with Lex's results and my results and what they reacted to the results and overreaction on some, you know, and so it's why? Yeah. Unless you do get something that's crazy, but. And, and a lot of it's um, like, um, like looking ahead, you know, it's like, hey, early warning signs and some sure, of those things. I'm not against entirely. So I should probably try to do it. But well, now I'm in that anxious I'll waiting time for my blood test to come it's back. It's the worst. Yeah, so Cause cause I don't even know what lipids are. What are we testing? I don't know. Nobody does. Well, and the it's thing is, up. like, it could, there's something bad that could come back, you know? Right. Well, like the whole thing that happened to me, I don't know if we talked about it on air. I think we did. That... You know, my bad cholesterol was high. Everything else was fine. Bad mm-hmm. cholesterol was high. And so I researched it. Mm-hmm. I looked into it with the people that I... <laughs> yes. Yeah, the one that Bella yes. said, you sent here's your, your Here's your diet. Right. And then they sent me the uh, high sugar, low fat diet that I should follow That's with ridiculous. butter and canola oil and everything yeah. else. So even if you get your results back and... You know, I mean, I use butter. True. You should use butter. Yeah. Oh, the lunchtime diet talk in Rome. <laughs> well, and so... One of the things that justifies me not doing that is Lex has this scale that measures like all these different body um, uh, functions, uh, like you know bone density and like fat around your bones, and um, you know be, like I don't know, like you stand on it. Yeah, and I know what you're talking. There's about. an app that comes with it, and it's interesting. It's called a since I stopped drinking, mm-hmm. my all the numbers have gone drastically improved, Amazing. like within a, within mm. a couple months. So that was that was interesting. So I don't have to go. I don't you're have to fine. go. Nobody's ever been healthy and gotten sick. No, ever. <laughs> but Eric, you said you're on your third round of antibiotics yeah. again. Jeez, Z-pack. man. It's it's like it really is like Maggie's, hey, we're at the finish line. It just doesn't seem to come for you. Yeah. So I'm hoping I mean, I'm ho- more hopeful about that. I like my P- PCP a lot. He's great. And uh and I trust him. So I'm hoping that this is cuz he said he would have done this this one the second when I had the second round of antibiotics. Oh, but you, you were going to like MedExpress. I went to MedExpress because, you know, I'm not going to get a doctor's appointment real quick. Right. You know, with my guy. So. My mm. guy. Yeah. So, uh, today I drove up to pick up Bella, who herself just got herself an antibiotic uh, for either bronchitis or walking pneumonia. But she's fine. She just has a cough. And I stopped and played a little disc golf by myself, Grove City. Very lovely. I was gonna. Th- I was thinking about Moraine, but I'm like, no, let's play a flatter course, it's a little a beautiful quicker. Day for it, and it was. Yeah. And I was leaving strokes out on the course. You know, either a bad throw, bad putt, not terrible, whatever. But playing well and just you know enjoying the time and just being out and gorgeous, windier than you would think. Mm. Yeah, it was a little windy. And there. that layout is 21 holes. So my first little bit of confusion happened when I came out of the woods on 16 to go to 17. And I realized, wait a minute, there's only one more hole left, but it's a 21-hole course. Mm. Well, the point is there's hole 5A, 6A, 7A. Mm-hmm. So the three extra holes were earlier. So I'm like, crap, I'm almost done. And if you remember, which you guys probably don't, 17th hole is a very long par five in a field. It goes down and then up a hill. But now they're doing construction. Now, mind you, I'm getting a text message from a friend who – as you guys know, and everybody who sits at the table with us knows, I hold my politics in publicly pretty close to the vest. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a divisive issue, right. so I don't do that. Well, this friend doesn't. Mm-hmm. They're very, like a lot of people, mm-hmm. out, out, you know, outspoken about them. Well, this person's texting me about a politician who I know, and it's, they're just gently but intentionally making fun of them. Mm-hmm about a picture they took. And so then I'm sending it back and I'm saying, whatever, no big deal, whatever. And I want to, so I'm getting upset. And then I look and the hole's now not 900 feet long. It's 300 feet long because there's construction. Mm. Okay, fine. Finish the hole, get another text with one more dig at this person. All right. Well, I remember it's a walk from the 17 green to the 18 T. So I can't get there because of the construction. So I just start walking the way I know to walk. Well, now I'm, I'm replying, and then mm-hmm. I'm editing, and I'm replying, and I'm editing, and I haven't sent it yet, and I'm deleting, and I'm like, I really want to give it to this person and everything else, and you're doing, oh, no, no, do it. Mm-hmm. So finally, I just said something very simple and curt, but to the mm-hmm. point. And I kind of look up, and I go, oh, none of this looks familiar. So I look at the GPS, and I'm like, well, that blue dot it's indicating where I am is nowhere near the 18th tee. I have gone the complete opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And now that I think about it, I was 600 feet from the beginning of a long walk. 
because the co- the hole was shortened. Mm-hmm. So I'm now 300 feet instead of 900 feet, and then I walk the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I'm near some baseball field. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. In Cleveland. Yeah. So <laughs> I just start walking, and I'm like, well, that blue dot really isn't moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, so I must be really far from where I need to be. So then I did the Joey Tribbiani from Friends, and I had to flip the phone around and get into the map mm-hmm. so that I could <clears> see. All right, so the baseball field. Oh, there was actually two baseball fields. I thought I was close to this one. So I'm walking. I'm like, all right, now the blue dot's going the wrong way. And like, mm-hmm. and I'm in this like clearing where the baseball fields are, mm-hmm. and there's no paths anywhere other than the way I came, which was quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. And you've played this course Several times, right, right? But I've never been where, no, once before. Oh, okay. And I haven't been here before mm-hmm. because normally I went the other way right. before the construction on 17. Right, right, right. And so, I mean, and on the map, I can see the course, mm-hmm. but it's a good, now I'm just trying to get back to the course. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even trying, 18, we've forgotten about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to cut through these woods here. Oh, I found a walking trail. Okay, there's a building there. Okay, I come up. I'm in the back of some apartment complex. Mm-hmm. I walk out of the apartment complex. I'm by the Burger King on Main Street uh-huh. before you even get to the park. I measured it afterwards. Half mile away. Wow. <laughs> so now wow. I had to walk a half you mile. You were distracted. Just to, get, <laughs> just to get back to the opposite side of the course from where I had been and where I was supposed to go. And you're a fast walker. Wow. I don't walk slow. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't take casual So strolls. now I was really steaming yeah. at yeah. the person who had sent those texts oh, so, and everything else. Do you feel compelled? Because like for me, you guys know me. Like I, I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to do that when I'm like if I'm out trying to enjoy that. It's hard for me to go, oh, I have my phone ding. Let me, I better look at it because it might be something I have to deal with. Where I'm like, I'll deal with it after I'm done doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Do you feel compelled? Uh, on a day like today when Bella's sick, I'm on my way to see Bella. Rachel's worried. What about Bella? Yeah. This, that, the other thing. Where's Joe? What's going on? As so, a pastor, do you feel like that? Is that part of... No. No? <laughs> okay. I, 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 I have no problem looking at a text. And ignoring it. And ignoring huh. it. So if it dings and I see like it's Amy and she needs something, then yeah, like whatever. But if it's, you know. Of all questions. Whatever. What? To to be asked when Chris is not here. Why? Oh, because of of the response time with Chris. Right. Chris Chris won't pay attention to his phone in the most important of times. While he's looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) And then if he does, he forgets any kind of follow up or. And then he has to take a nap. Right. (laughs) Oh, dang. That's why he should be at the table every week. He should be. But it ended up fine. I mean, I wasn't late to pick up Bella. I gave myself a par on 18. Mm. I didn't go the other half mile to the other end of the course to mm. where it would have been. Yeah. yeah. So two under par. I mean, it's fine. I was even last time Bro, I played there. You're good. Do you remember that? Golf. Do you remember that course we all played in Vineland, New Jersey? South Vineland, thank Did, you very much, was the name of the course. Was that the first trip? Yeah, I think it was the like it was it was <gasps> no, it was on vacation at Ocean City. It wasn't the trip. Yeah, it was oh. it was Ocean City. <gasps> Yes, it was, those courses were awesome. It, it was a huge course, and like we kept getting lost. Did we have the app back then? I think we did. And that's the only thing that saved us. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. Because that was a complicated. It was a, a layout that, and was... they had crisscrosses in the back. You yeah, know, like where you and finish. we were relatively young in our disc golf careers at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. I, even, I didn't even have. I don't right. Even that was twenty twenty. That was mm-hmm. that was really when we first. started. I don't even know if I had a bag at that point. Yeah, um, I don't know. I might have gotten my bag for the trip. Right. Mm-hmm. No, South Vineland. They've uh, updated it. I've looked. Yeah, I would love to play those. Those were fun and memorable. Like so I remember, did, we did the Vineland one. What was? It? We also did uh, the name of the uh, Cape May. Oh yeah, that, yeah. We did that one a couple times over mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. two, that we two sure years. Did. I uh, still want to relive that first trip we went to out in Ohio. That was a great trip. That house that was, was awesome. Good, uh, the Metro horses Parks were farm. amazing. Yeah, that was a good one. I want to do that one again so bad. Yep, yep. That was fun. Um, speaking of fun. Over the weekend, actually Monday night, last night, Tuesday night, um, yeah, uh, I made it's Wednesday uh, sirloin. <laughs> yes, so it was last night. Um, I made the, some of the sirloin we got from the cow that we got. I pulled out a sirloin and I was like, huh. "Sirloin roast, sirloin, uh, the sir, just the sirloin." It was a big thing, just okay. like a big thing. I will say I'm confused by some of the names yeah. of the cuts. Well, sure. I looked in my Chuck buddy. Roast, I know what yes. that is. I looked in Rump my buddy. Roast, I know what that is. But there's other things that are, like, right. if it's, like, just sirloin, I'm like, Well, sirloin. Betty Crocker has a great, uh, in, in the Betty Crocker cookbook, there's a great um, breakdown of, like, what, what's in the cow. So 
Um, and they're like to the name of the. Yeah, I'll right. send you a picture. Yeah, of it. please. It has do. like a diagram. That'd be yeah, great. I'm sure that's not on on the internet. Probably not. either. I've um, never heard of it. But yeah, so it was. A, it, it said sirloin. I think it said star, sirloin steak, and I pulled it out, and it was one big you know cut of meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I cooked it up, and I found this garlic butter, and it was it it was really simple to do. You know, you cook the steak for like five to six minutes on each side. Um, you make this garlic butter. It was a lot of garlic with a little bit of thyme. Um, and we did baked potatoes, and it was so good. It was it's, it was it. simple, but it was so good. So it must have been a sirloin steak, because yeah. if it was a sirloin roast, that wouldn't have been enough time to cook it. True. So it, it was definitely the sirloin steak. And, so big but flat. Like, mm, okay, got it. Yep, and we were able to um, get like four or five different, like, I mean, four or five cuts out of it. So, um, yeah. It served, it's good beef. Servings, yeah. It was really it is good beef. Yeah, it was really good. In this particular, like, there wasn't a lot of fat within it, you know, which yeah. was kind of nice as far as the steak goes. Well, you had the butter, though. I did have the butter. Mm-hmm. The butter And the butter was, I mean, it was super easy to make. It was we'll a lot of butter. that nicely. It was a lot of garlic, too. Um, How much? A lot of garlic. No vampires visiting us last night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was also... so. That well, was, if you had, it'd be okay, because you had a steak. We, did. Yeah. we had a steak and garlic, and, and you're set. Garlic, yeah. no, uh, no silver bullets. Um, not yet, not yet. <laughs> it's also a very big weekend. Uh, starting Friday night, uh, won the hockey championship. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. again. What was the score? Uh, it was it was bad. We won way way easier than we should in a hockey championship against the team that we sh- that we played. Like it should have been much closer than mm. than it was. But well, it was, if you don't let them score, it's not going to be close. Yeah, I didn't. Want, I don't like letting people score. No, so um, Saturday, I bartended. I bartended a wedding. Um, our chiropractor her, would have been a long time before I would have guessed what you did. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I. So my chiropractor, she got, uh, she, she got married, um, and we'd been talking. She was, she's a bartender, and she was like, "Do you want to bartend my wedding?" This is like, you know, a couple months ago. I was like, "Sure." Sounds like fun, and um, it was so much fun to do that because I used to do it. I did it for right. two years, and it was really cool to be behind the bar. Um, really interesting to be behind the bar again. Um, but it was a good crowd and I made a lot of, I made a, I made enough money to cover the cow. Really? Yes. Some nice cash. <laughs> yes. From, from, uh, like three 30 until, um, about 10 30. Oh, well, that is seven hours. Seven hours, but I mean, yeah, that's, but that's, that's, if you break it down and how much of what you made was lawyer tips. money, <laughs> um, all of it. Oh, so she didn't pay you. Well, they, okay. So she, she, she basically, so she gave us 200 as a base. Right. But then above and beyond that, it was, so I made like 300 bucks in tips above and beyond that 200. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again uh, for a, a long, long time. Day. Yeah. It was a long day. And it, I remembered why I stopped bartending. Cause right. like towards the end of the night, it's like, this just makes me sad now. Right. You know, except uh, for a wedding, at least it's like, ah, they're having a good time. They did. It, and, and that's, that was a really, as really compared to like a Tuesday. Correct. Right. <laughs> right. Tuesday at three in the afternoon. And yeah. It's like that now. It's. It, I mean, it was a really. It was a good time. Um, it was nice that the crowd, like nobody, got out of hand. Um, and be, her being a bartender, she. Because part of my thing was like, I have no idea what drinks are today. Like, I, you know, I don't know. So you want a cosmopolitan, do you? <laughs> like, I, you know, somebody asked me. You, for, you only knew how to make a fashioned. Does Betty Crocker right. have a cookbook for this one? It, it wasn't old then. <laughs> no. Um, so basically, people would come up and say, I want rum and coke. I want this. Right. And, and, and if I didn't know the drink name, I was like, so what do you want in the drink? Rum and coke. Like, Jack and coke. <laughs> rum and coke. Here's the things I have. What do you want me to make Beer. you? Um, so, but that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then Sunday morning did two services and then we went and saw Moulin Rouge downtown at the Benedict. It was a busy weekend. It was a very busy weekend. It was great. Um, but it was very busy by, by Sunday night. It was like, all right, you know, I'm done. But Moulin Rouge was amazing. Um, down at the Benedum. Um, it's probably my favorite musical. It might be one of the only musicals that I actually kind of enjoy, man. It was, it was, and, and the, the production value down there was just astounding. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. So, um, you know, I, I didn't get into any arguments. I didn't get it. I didn't get into any arguments, <laughs> even at bartending. And so uh, there was no reason to really do any comforting. True. And then if somebody would have comforted you and done it wrong, well, that's worse. That would you have know, been worse. Sometimes you know it's worse. Me interrupting your segue. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you did it last week, too. Are you doing it now? I am. Oh. Because I didn't want to go any further without recognizing Marilyn 
our new ah. our newest paid subscriber. So thank you, Marilyn. You can also subscribe. I encourage you to visit us at lunchtimeandrum.com. Also, we've had two people take the relational needs questionnaire this week. Yes. You can also do that as well at lunchtimeandrum.com. And uh, that's what I wanted to say. I will say that for now, we've talked about this in the past, different ways to get there. But I think for now, Mary Lynn sits at the head of the table. Head of the table right now. Yeah. She's at the head of the table. And we do need to figure out what we're doing for, for All that the, kind of fun uh, the stuff. pay people. So yeah. we appreciate hey, it very much. She could play on the worship team at Faith Community Church whenever she wants. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> she's sitting at the no, head of the great. table. What she's more great. do you want? That's right. Largest donor. Mm-hmm. Or a partner, or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. It and is awesome. We celebrate with that. But I'm sorry, when not somebody sorry is sad, you are to join them in their emotions. That is what comfort is: is joining somebody in their emotions, so that when they're feeling alone, feeling hurt, which is an emotional need not met or taken from them, they realize they're not alone because you have not only just joined them physically but emotionally in that moment so that when they remember the hurt, they will remember you being right next to them, being with them in that moment. That's good comfort. It is rare. We just got done talking about apologies, conflict resolution, and how rare a good apology is. I don't know if there's a metric for it, but good comfort's up there too. Mm -hmm. It's pretty rare. When you get somebody who right. just gets it. Mm-hmm. Some people are naturally good at it, and they're very few. Yeah. It really does stand out when it's good. You uh, know, Accidental like, comfort, you mean? Did you say accidental? Yeah. Uh, I would say natural. Natural. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But it is one of those things that people do such a poor job or a non-existent job that when it does happen, um, and, and if you have any sense of knowing that what good comfort is, you're like, wow, that was really good. Because it's so rare. Mm-hmm. Right. You you only you recognize it just because it's like, wow, that person really yeah. made me feel good. You don't right. go, well, I was good. Right, like you're watching they... a movie or a show or something and somebody comforts well, you're like, man. Well, that's even rare. You know? So if you we've sort of touched on these topics in episodes two oh seven and two oh eight when we said emotional needs to clash. And tonight we're going to be talking about being enmeshed in a relationship, which was all the way back to episode 40, all the way back to where it didn't have a number on our new system. Wow. Just a date. But hmm. um, we want to to look at when it doesn't work, why it doesn't work, and then, again, we very simply will point to how it does work at the very end. But we want to go with the fact that when someone has has expressed a hurt. They're emotionally saying, Hey, I don't feel well. I don't, you know, I don't do things. And even if it's not your fault, so mm-hmm. it can just be, I had a terrible day. Okay. I'm expressing my emotions. Mm-hmm. I, my needs for security, my, you know, whatever weren't feeling well. There are four ways that people poorly respond emotionally. And mm-hmm. that's what bad comfort is. It's right. a poor emotional response is what bad comfort is. The difference is they're trying to comfort, but they're still in the wrong venue or mm-hmm. the wrong av- or vehicle. Right. Now, the only one we're not going to talk about is ignoring. Because nobody ever says like, oh, I had such a terrible day. And the other person walks away from them <laughs> thinking they comforted them. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I sat there Job brainstorming. Some people, My job's done Some here. people that might Nailed be it. the better move. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Hey, before you start, <laughs> let me just let you walk away, please. <laughs> yeah. I just needed to say it out loud. Now, listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah. And they walk away. (laughs) Marge, I'm not going to lie to you. So long. So, yeah, I couldn't think of an example where somebody would neglect, which is one of the four poor emotional respondings, and think they're helping. But somebody who is giving facts, logic, and reason, they think they're at least helping. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, I'm fixing them. Yep. Okay, here's the problem. I'm going to diagnose the problem, and we're going to fix them, and they're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, and this is just a feel, do you feel men would respond this way more than women? Oh, absolutely. That's the stereotype. Yeah. Not in my family. Gosh, not in my family. I mean, the notorious one is like, you know, wife comes home and complains about her day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. And then the guy tries to fix everything. That instead, wife just wants to, you know, be heard and listened to and comforted. comforted. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I was whoa whoaing. The husband comes home. Okay, the wife's been home. What kind of world do you live in? My bad. Uh, How dare you? <laughs> Jeez. Right. They fix the problem, but it also happens uh-huh. girl to girl. I find that if you're if mm. we're sticking with stereotypes mm-hmm. or cliches. Which somehow one becomes the other. That's Jay Mitlow at lunchtime in Ram Duggan. No. That's right. <laughs> and you hear the one girl said, oh, my boyfriend is such a jerk. I can't believe he did this to me. And then the friend goes, you know what you need to do? You need to let him know mm-hmm. or you need to get rid girl. of that guy mm-hmm. and he's not good for you mm-hmm. and everything else. So it does happen girl to girl. Yeah. It doesn't typically happen girl to guy as much. Hmm. Yeah. But regardless, it's trying to fix the person. I'm gonna look for that now. I wanna, I wanna, like, I wanna keep my radar up. Are you for gonna that try now. to? Uh, I thought you were gonna like try to bait people. No, into no, 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 no. Like in shows or whatever. Like in in real life, I, right. I want to see. If, right. I want to see if what you know how often that might happen. Right. So the person thinks they're helping by fixing them. Mm-hmm. You know, but yet or or diagnosing it. Well, here's why this happened. Right. Because of this, this, and sometimes they'll even blame you for it. Mm-hmm. Well, you just keep putting yourself in that situation, and so therefore you're gonna keep getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, does that person then feel better? No. So they feel alone at their hurt, and now they feel alone at the misattempt to help. Mm-hmm. Now, it is fair to say the people that are responding poorly may not think they're comforting, but they think they're helping. Mm-hmm. The second one is the a, a poor mm-hmm. emotional response is being selfish. And this, this is a tricky one. Go ahead. Tell me why. Well, oh, because yeah. it it. Seems like you're trying to understand them, right? Um, Maybe I'm giving selfish responders the benefit of the doubt. Correct, yes. right? And and so they think that they're trying to. They think that they're doing a good job by joining them. And and I'll, I feel like a lot of times this one is when they steal a story too. Exactly you know? yes. what they're doing. Yeah. So, oh. I know exactly how you feel. Right. When I lost my father, or when this thing happened, whatever, and then they go off, and it's like. Yeah, that's about you. You did not join the person, actually. And even if you're being altruistic Mm -hmm. and you're really trying to show them, oh, I do understand, it's not about you. Right. And they don't, you know, they'll know you understand when they can sense your heart, when they can see that you're intently listening, and when you don't say something stupid. And they might even sympathize with you. Like, you know, you are, you're the one that's hurt. Your your friend or whoever is, is joining you, but mm-hmm. stealing your story, and you can sit here and go, okay, you know, I I, I see how that you know that that kind of relates. I mean, the hurt person will sympathize with the person trying to come. I, I can see that. You oh know? yeah, but, nice, oh, yeah. But that still doesn't. But that doesn't calm you. So that's why yeah, I think this yeah. is a really really tricky sneaky one. Could this, is this uh, uh, one upping as well? Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't. Because here, here we go. well, here's my. Okay, now this is slippery. I like maybe not, maybe not a right. gleeful one upping. Because, like, so. Yeah, Amy, you're transitioning. Well, maybe. So to speak. Well, that's why I want <clears throat> to talk about it. Because um, Amy, you know, Amy experienced a miscarriage. We had a miscarriage. And then somebody um, said to her, Well, I had five miscarriages before we had our first kid. And I was like, that might be the worst thing that you could probably say. Like, because one, you're one upping and you're basically saying, like, well, I had it harder. I had it harder than right. you. I had you're this happened to me five you times to your one. Suck it up. Yeah. Like, but they're also maybe trying to join, like, yeah, it is hard. I had five mm-hmm. before. You know what I mean? Like, but not even. Like, it's. I think if you've horrible. had, I mean, yeah, they may think they're helping. But really, it's just out of an abundance of hurt. Yeah, and that's where that's where I'm thinking of. It's more of like, it's more of a one-upping, and it's more of like, um, well, you don't have it all that bad. It's more like, and maybe that's critical, which we're going. Well, that's be why I said into. it's slippery, yeah. and also a good transition, right? Because <clears throat> it could be like when you say to somebody, "Hey, it, it, other people have it worse." <laughs> okay, so the critical, by the way, is trying to assess somebody's emotions and letting them know that they're they're not quite calibrated. You're you're making too big of a deal out of this, mm-hmm. or you always, you know, make this into a big deal when it shouldn't be, or other people have it worse. You're saying, well, you feel bad, but you shouldn't, mm-hmm. right? And you're not assessing your feelings correctly. Mm-hmm. That is what is being a critical emotional responder is. So you think you're going to help them? Stop being so up. Don't cry. Right. It's one of my favorites. 
Uh, yeah. Don't cry. Yep. <laughs> How many times do you tell your kid that? <laughs> so, um, if you say to somebody, oh, I just lost $20. Hey, don't feel bad. I lost 200 last week. Yeah. Right. It's sort of a combo. Right. Because right. now you're making it about mm-hmm. you. Yep. And you're also saying, don't, don't feel so bad. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of a, a combination one. And, and we probably should have said at the beginning, this is table talk. Like, this is stuff most people don't ever talk about. Yep. This is deep into the weeds. It's almost maybe a little emotionally nerdy. Uh, you know, yeah. but the more we talk about it, you're going to see it out in the wild. You're going to see it out in the field. You're going to see it in real life at your own tables. And you're going to go, oh, wait, oh, this is one of those things. Right. And I'm going to say it's easier to see in other people than it is in yourself. Because it took me a while. Both ways. Like when you give it and when you receive it. Like when you receive it, you'll just be like, that didn't work. Right. But I mean, like, I I feel like it's it's harder to notice what you do because i like i i was the classic one-upper and i still have the urge to like try to join quote unquote somebody in their hurt or whatever by telling my story where Mm -hmm. i've like had to like work that muscle of like don't say it don't say it (laughs) i still do that yeah yeah so and i might have a great story but it took me a long time (laughs) to realize yeah i know i right and and i feel like my story is great but like it took me a long time to realize that Oh, I'm a one-upper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A story stealer. Yeah, story stealer. Well, so the reason why I say that is you get so far in the weeds and you get, like, the story that I tell is that we were at a funeral where a man in his 50s suddenly had died and I was meeting his father. Mm-hmm. And all I could think to say to him was, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, my son died when he was six. Oh, man. At least you got 50 years with yours. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm about to meet this guy and do the head nod and everything else. And inside my head, I'm like, that's the absolute best and worst, worst thing, thing that should ever yeah. be on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And now I got to like straighten up and yeah. be like, there's over your God, I'm yeah. so glad you have the Holy Spirit that leads you in. And, <laughs> and then just give him a little slap on the face. This poor guy's like 90. <laughs> He's like hanging on. Yeah, my his son, fa- his my face goes was, white. My son was six. My son was six. A question. But, well, no, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, I think these these last two, not so much facts, logic, and reason, but the the selfish and the critical aspects of these uh, anti-comfort is it's an opportunity for the person doing the bad comfort to address their own hurts. You know, like... Is it an opportunity to do it or it's they're revealing that they have hurts. that's what i'm saying like right. like i think maybe they're not looking at it as an opportunity but they're saying like in their like they're saying well you know my dad died of cancer twice you know like your your dad just died of cancer well my dad died of cancer twice you know so like <laughs> so th- there there's that intention of of seeming like they're joining in the empathy but i think at the same time it's, it's a like, cry it's out a, maybe it's a cry out right. for oh hey totally. my, my thing has never been healed yeah. this is an opportunity for me even though you're not looking at that way right for somebody to go you're, oh they're you trying to steal it right yeah. exactly right right so it will and i would agree with you but i would take it a further to the right in the outline of diagnosing what's wrong okay in each of these situations yes sir i was gonna ask one question before we move on to we're not moving on okay sorry so we will eventually yeah but it's it's not hey it's not just that their own stuff hasn't been healed they're all unmet they're trying to meet their own emotional needs in that moment including facts logic and reason so what is facts logic and reason well that's somebody who has a high need of respect I have the answer to your problem. Let me diagnose your problem. Maybe they value support or encouragement. Mm -hmm. So rather than giving them comfort, I'm going to encourage you. Look, here's how in the future you're going to be tough. You're going to get through this. That's actually ignoring. So maybe that is one. That's a way Mm -hmm. we could incorporate ignoring. Right. That you ignore their pain, but you just keep focusing on the positive. Mm -hmm. But Oh, that's a sneaky one. Yeah. But the facts, logic, and reason, hey, I want you to respect me. I have the answers. Or you have a high need for security. I can't deal with this trauma right now. Here's how you fix the trauma. Mm. Let's move on. Selfish, that's somebody with a high need of comfort. Mm-hmm. They've been hurt. Right. So what do you do? You you say, oh, here's what it is. Here's my story. You're, you're stealing that need. What about a, uh, appreciation? Would, it, would somebody with a high need? Facts, of- logic, and reason, I think that would come across. Okay. If you had not, a high need of appreciation. Selfish. Look, I helped you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Look, I have the answer, mm-hmm. so appreciate me. Right. Well, I was actually going to ask, my question to you guys was going to be, which of these like, do you cringe at the most if somebody responds? Oh, selfish. Oh, really? No, no, critical's bad, too, I, though. Well, I was going to say, I thought maybe, because you guys are both high in respect, I would think it's facts, logic, and reason for both of you guys. Mine, I'm going with the more like selfish, because like in a sense of belonging, if I'm telling my story, and then you start telling your story... But you didn't even recognize my story, then like your story doesn't even qualify. It doesn't even, like, we're not even there. You don't even you don't appreciate me, and like you know, I think mine of. supersedes. I'd like to hear what Brian has to say. I would. I honestly, I think I would go with critical. Bothers you the most? I think so. Like, don't be so angry. You know, like when as we're talking about this, <laughs> as we're talking about this, I think about the hospital with, with that doctor where he's telling my kids don't cry. <laughs> you know, okay. Like, I'm in the hospital. Yep, and. They're about to travel back across country, minus me, and I'm in the hospital. And the doctor's like, he tells Abby and my kids, "Don't cry." Yeah, I don't um, tell my kids then, what to do. And Abby's were, eight at the time. Yeah, like Abby and Ethan were <laughs> like not was, sixteen. No, right? It was it was <laughs> that's that's what they do as a child. They are sad. Um, I, I and I get his point. Like I, I like he was confident. Hey, I'm sure. going to take care of your dad. You don't need to worry. But like. That one stands out to me. And my grandmother, there were several times yep. where she answered hurts critically. Mm. Um, you know, like a couple of times we'd be at the beach house um, and like watching her and my dad and like some are like my grandmother was a very, very difficult, hard, tough um, saint. <laughs> <laughs> the older I got, I, man, love you. Um, but man, you you did not know comfort. And and so I think critical really stands out to me. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say I think don't be that way. Like such an invalidation oh. of your of that person's hurts and emotions. It definitely makes sense with your because I guess like I respect. take that from respect. Yeah. Like like yeah. you're you're completely invalidating yeah. that person in their. <laughs> don't gotta, be this way, <laughs> Brian. Don't, re- don't be so worked up. <laughs> you just got real hot right now. No, I like it. I, I appreciate we're, we're it very that much. nerve there. Yeah, that was that was good. I had a great question. Yeah, you Go did. Go me. Two bonus points for Eric. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of one time I had a great question. No, I'm just kidding. That's not celebrating with uh, somebody who celebrates. Right. That's a different podcast. That's anti-celebration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to answer your question for me, I, I mean, I think I'm so far in the weeds of emotional needs and everything else that they all just make me sad. Yeah. And And even like, so I shared... A partial hurt with somebody this summer. And when I did it, I was sort of showing them a laughable way that I've come to understand this situation. But it's a very big situation. But yet, at least I can find this demented humor in this moment. Yeah. And the person responded with just harsh facts, logic, and reason about the overall situation. And I was just like, so you're not even going to find what I said to be funny and you're not going to come alongside me in the desperation of this moment. And you're going to tell me something I already know. And it, I mean, it, I would say it just hurt. Like Mm. I was just like, I I had to walk away and later on go, why did that bother me so much? And I was like, cause what I said was funny Mm. (laughs) and I'm in a, and I'm in a tight spot here. Yeah. And you told me something that a school child would know. Mm. So you not it's all the emotional needs. You didn't yeah. join me, you don't respect me because you told me something that I obviously knew. Yeah. And you ignored what I was feeling. Like that's the most personal I can get with this response. You know, it just it's the mm. one I felt the most, but it was also a matter of who it was and everything else. Um but in general, when I see it or when people give it to me, I mean people are afraid to give me any kind of comfort because they're just afraid it's going to be wrong. We <laughs> did I will do it, right? Yeah. Well, that whole time I was like, it's like, I hope it wasn't me. No. It's, like, it's like somebody trying to give you something that they baked or cooked. <laughs> Here's my food. Here's my comfort. I don't think either are good. <laughs> so th- that is a very good general example of ways people try to comfort or at least try to help, but fall mm. short. But we have talked in the past, episode 40, on enmeshment. So when you go through basically trauma, I mean, literal trauma, not, you know, if you get to a point where your emotions, your hurts overwhelm your ability to process them, you can go basically two directions. One is detachment, 
where you just say, well, this is too much for me to feel, and you turn it off. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about catatonic schizophrenics, people that stop being able to talk, mm. stop being able to pay attention, you know, the, to the movie Witness, if I may date mm. myself. Yeah. The little kid watched his mother get murdered or wherever it was, yeah. and so he stopped talking. That's the extreme example on the detachment side. Uh -huh. You don't feel pain. You don't feel joy. You're numb. Uh -huh. Your cup is full and you're numb. Enmeshment is the opposite end of the spectrum in a lot of ways. And that is where you become the fixer. If I'm in this situation, mm. I must be here to fix the situation. And this is just a review before we get to where we're going. Mm. So the, the example, the most brutal example is... Uh, well, I want to go backwards. The definition is having a role thrust upon you that is not of your own. Mm -hmm. And the most brutal example is incest. You're not right. supposed to be your relative's sexual partner. Okay, right. that's obvious. Mm -hmm. But a more subtle thing is a little boy comes home from elementary school, talks to his mother for a half hour about his day, and it feels great and everything's good. And the mother says, man, that was really nice. I really enjoyed our time, Billy. Thanks for talking with me. I just wish I could talk to your father the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not incest. But that little boy goes, oh, right, right. <laughs> I'm, not, ugh, I'm not supposed to talk to you. What? And so you end up feeling like I'm not adequate in my role. Mm -hmm. So then he's going to do his best to please his mother and to do all these different things. I was the go-between between my parents when they went through their separation originally at 12 years old. I'm not supposed to be the marriage counselor. Right. And so you end up feeling inadequate in your roles that you do have. So we've talked about that in the past. So now imagine, if you will, enmeshed is married to detached. Now, again, it's a spectrum. You know, you can, you don't have to be completely enmeshed or completely. And, and again, sort of codependent is on the way to enmeshed. So you you're know, thinking in an, in an actual relationship, somebody that is. The tends towards detachment right, is is married to somebody that is tending towards enmeshment. Okay, just and again, I would that. say codependency is on the way to enmeshment. I would say maybe being short or curt with your emotions is on the way to detachment. Mm -hmm. You know, the person listened to you for a minute and they go, "All right, that's that's enough." Right. You know, they they tried, but they don't have the the capability to listen longer. Mm -hmm. So let's imagine they're going to a family picnic, and it's enmeshed families picnic. And there's going to be drama there. And enmeshed, because they're the fixer, they want to make sure everybody's okay because they've had that thrust upon them in the past mm -hmm. that everyone goes to them in the family when people shouldn't be going to them in the family, whether it be grandparents or parents. So now they're going to go to this picnic and enmeshed is going to get enmeshed in the drama that's there that's not theirs. Mm -hmm. It's not anything to do with them. But people are going to go to, him, go to her, go to him mm -hmm. and say... Here's what's going on. You need to fix this. You need to tell them. You know, they become the confidant mm -hmm. to all the different people in the family or the dynamic. Meanwhile, detached, they've got no problem just being like, cut them off. Right. Cut them off. Don't right. put up with that. So, mm. so now imagine they go away to that picnic on a nice July afternoon. They come home and meshed a didn't fix everybody's problems. Why? Well, because that's not their job. It's impossible. Right. But they feel like a failure, dot, 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 again. Right. Because this has happened their whole life from wherever it started. And they've had to watch the pain of their family members that they couldn't fix, that was thrust upon them, and they're hurting and they're wounded. What do you think Detached says to them? I know you guys don't like questions. <laughs> Do you think Detached comes alongside and says, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine what you're going through. I just nah, feel like... F them. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, I was going to... Like, They'll do all of these. Mm -hmm, all of right. the ones we just <clears throat> went over. Mm -hmm. Well, you know why they do this, don't you? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they're doing this, they're doing that. You're an easy target and everything else. Facts, logic, and reason. You know, selfish. I can't believe I have to put up with this. I married into this, and that's not on me. So... Mm. Is, oh. is is that detached uh, from that aspect of the family, but now you're getting enmeshed with your spouse? <laughs> well, no, sort of, okay. sort of. We get to that later because okay. they're detached from their own history uh -huh. 
But they're not, well, he ruined really a really exciting part <laughs> that I had coming up later on. <laughs> but you're on to something there. Uh-huh. Uh, B sub V or five. Point of the story is this. They'll also go to critical. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you heading into this party. You might as well even try. That you shouldn't even try and you should have done this mm-hmm. and you should have done that. Because they're going from the detached perspective, mm-hmm. not the enmeshed hurts. Wow. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah, definitely. And now how, but here's my question to you. This one's much more easy to answer. How is enmeshed feeling in this moment now? Coming home from the picnic. And detached. Then they've been even. detached, bowled right over top of them. Well, I know. Well, double alone. Double alone. But like, do they try to fix that part of their relationship? Oh, now? they might. No, but here's what I think happens more often. And this is just the beauty of well, it all. Well, but hang on, but kind of like what Brian pointed out before of like, you know, somebody like does a one-up or whatever in response, and then the person tries to comfort them, even though they should be the one being comforted in that situation, right? The enmeshment person. Right. Right. The they, end up, they end up comforting the detached, detached person. person. Yes. Right. <clears throat> that can happen as well. And again, we want to go back to emotional needs. The enmeshed person has a high need for security. They have a high need for acceptance. And I, I didn't fix them, but is it still okay? You know, I, I just want to be loved even though I've made mistakes and or belonging. Are the relationships still attached to everything else? So they come home from that family picnic mm-hmm. in that moment. And then detached comes running over saying, nope, you did it absolutely wrong. I'm angry with you mm-hmm. because of how you didn't handle it the right way. And now that relationship isn't okay. When meanwhile, mm-hmm. detached, you know, they've got the high need for security, the high need for respect, most likely, more mm-hmm. security than anything else. Like, I can't deal with all this. Should have just handled it. Mm-hmm. Should have fixed it. It mm-hmm. should be over by now. I can't, you know, I don't think of it. They, they have no margin. Mm-hmm. They're ready to blow up at any given moment. High need of acceptance too, maybe? <sighs> the detached, I would, I mean, maybe, but I would think less so. Like, yeah. they're like, F you. Right. Brian's like, let me tell you something here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm thinking about a certain. Well, I'm thinking of from a perspective of like, well, like you tried all these things and like, it's not going to work. And like you did this wrong and this wrong, like like that's being critical. But then on their, and their, and their side, they might feel a high need of acceptance because you're making all these like waves and not doing things right. And you're, you know what I mean? Cause like acceptance detached? is detached. You t- you're saying detached mm-hmm. has a high need for acceptance because you're making all these waves. I'm telling you detached isn't aware that they're making all these waves, but they, but like they're trying to stop the waves. I don't want any more waves. Okay. Right. But I guess, and, and they sure don't care about, I'm also doing a poor job of explaining myself. Well, let's try one more time. Cause I'm thinking of like, okay, so the enmeshed person does things, trying to fix things, Correct. but they're making things worse. Not necessarily, but they could. <laughs> Doing something wrong, meaning the detached person feels like not hurt, but like icky. It's like, well, yeah, like because you're not fixing it, you're not making your family happy. And well, but you know, here's my point. Yeah, he might be making the family happy because he's the go-between or she okay. that. They're the one that gets to go talk to him and rather than handle their own business. Okay. You're never going to solve the problem. Okay, I see what you're saying. You're taking on everybody's problem. Right, right, right. Yeah. And burden. Okay. So my and point the detached is, person is yeah, just okay. bothered by it. Right. <clears throat> now, they may then feel ineffective because I, you know, but they're going to project that nine times out of ten on Enmeshed. I think it would be fascinating for us to have this discussion and then anybody who's about to watch somebody get married or planning a wedding... Like you want to talk about like um, real life examples of these things happening? Um, you know, first make yourself aware of what we're talking about, and then go watch somebody try to plan a wedding with their family. Oh, plan a wedding! Plan a wedding, like because there's so much on both sides. Like I just just coming from this wedding that I just came from over the weekend. As we're going through this, I'm like, wow, that conversation now makes a little bit more sense to me. That conversation, that situation, you know, not that I was super involved, but like watching this girl try to plan her wedding for the last couple months and hearing some of the things that were going on. It's like, man, no wonder people really can't get to the bottom of their problems. No, 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 no. So you alluded to this earlier. Or you did. One of the two of you did. Brian, I think did. Well, you both did. No, we're not there yet. Oh. Except maybe we are. So what's crazy is, so detached, 
berries enmeshed. <laughs> just says, you should have done this, you should it's have like done rock, that, paper, you're scissors. bothering me. Yeah, that always wins. <laughs> but what I have seen in multiple situations over the years, that's when enmeshed detaches mm-hmm. from detached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll just like go watch a movie. They'll Mm -hmm. go turn on the TV. They'll go for a walk. They'll go for a ride. They'll do whatever. And then detached becomes enmeshed Mm -hmm. with enmeshed. Mm -hmm. They're going to try to fix enmeshed. And they become intertwined in that. Right. While enmeshed is just off playing video games for three hours like, I can't hear another word from her or him. Mm. It's like Inception. Something. Well, and I was going to say, you know, I know from for me personally, I do I go back and forth between detachment and and enmeshment, um, depending on the situation, um, and and depending the, on the situation and the, or the, or the relationship. relationship. And the relation, well, yes, the relationship. <laughs> the relationship um, is the situation. <laughs> well, like so, for instance, just let's use my buddy Kono. You know, I'm I'm thinking like I normally I detach a lot. Right, like that's. I think that's probably my first overriding default is to detach, but then I'm also a problem solver. And when there's somebody that I know that has a problem that that I care about, that I respect, that you know, I see, I could probably do something for. Hey, let me jump into this and figure out. Let's let's figure this out. And I think that there's, you know, in that altruism and that 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 desire to problem solve, I can start to get enmeshed with somebody like that. You know what I mean? The only difference in that is it's the it's bordering. It may not even be unhealthy because enmeshed is having it thrust upon you when it's not your role. Right. Or um, here you're just being a helper. I'm taking it on. Right. You're taking uh, it on. I well, see. that's. That, but yeah. again, there's. I mean, it's a spectrum like we talked about. Sure. You know, um, it can be like you might take too much, mm. in which case you know then you're heading towards, you know, and if they're not okay, you're not okay. Well, now that's towards codependency and everything else. So it may not be entirely healthy, but it's not. You know, not like it having it thrust upon you, right? Yeah, I got you. Um, and then, and think about mm-hmm. even like in a work scenario sometimes, where the boss is always coming to the one employee because they'll listen, and right. you're like, "That's not my job to listen to you, boss." So it's it's slippery. Mm-hmm. And again, we're just using those two polar examples, but right. yeah, you're a fixer for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you can, I would argue, you may have detached because you were enmeshed in other situations in your life. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. You're talented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely detached. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sad. So um, we don't want to leave you there uh, because basically you will become the ignoring person. You'll just be like, well, whatever I say is going to be wrong, so I'm not going to say anything at all. But again, the answer is quite simple. And it's just joining them in their emotions. What is it they're feeling? Mm-hmm. Stay there. Ask, you know, what have they gone through in the past? How have they been hurt like this in other times? Okay. Boy, that really must make them feel this way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you say, man, just listening to you. Boy, it breaks my heart. It makes me just feel so scared, you know, or man, my throat's tightening up just listening to what all those things we've talked about over the years. We want to make sure we join them where they are, dot, 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 right now. Not short of, not past. Mm -hmm. Then that strategic time when it is okay to give facts, logic, and reason. Because it is. Is when they say, what should I do? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Why did this happen? Got any advice for me? Right. How come it always happens to me? And even then, if somebody says, why is this always happening to me? I'm going to throw you a call at you. Like, right. you sure? Yeah, maybe we'll talk about careful. this tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. Because again, that's a minefield uh-huh. that you're walking into. Um, yeah. So that's in my encouragement, what you do. If, if, if detached is joining the enmeshed in their pain, they just come alongside them and say, man, that was rough, wasn't it? Man, my heart was just breaking for you the whole time. You were going through that. My ears were burning. Listen, we're just watching you have to hear all those people talk. Well, then, you know what? And you were a real rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, you did your best. You know, it's an unwinnable war, but you fought hard. Right. Now enmeshed is going, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I, I did my best, you know? And, and that's really, oh, boy. Then Detach can come alongside and say, man, I wonder how we can avoid that in the future. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
And then you watch in men. They go, well, I mean, there's no way. Well, there might be one way. <laughs> but you've already joined them in their emotion. You've appreciated their efforts. Now you can say, okay, but next time, when Uncle Wally comes up to you and says, talk to your mother, you say, Uncle Wally, I'm, I'm done talking about mom. And that's, that's the, you know, we talked about this before. That's the boundary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when he goes, yeah, but you know what? She, Uncle Wally, <laughs> now here's the border. I'm walking away. Right. I mean, I'd love to talk to you about the Steelers tomorrow or right. later on this afternoon. Right. Mm-hmm. So they can still be productive, but not until you've come alongside them and also appreciate it. Man, I, I see what you're doing. I see your fight. You're such a good cousin, sister, uncle, whatever you are. Man, keep going with the good fight. I appreciate that. I wonder if there's a better way we could do this. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I think this is, I really like this discussion we've had. I really like what we've talked about because it is revisiting. We haven't really talked about enmeshed and, and detached, I, I don't think, in a while, you know. And I think to, to sum a lot of this up, is it is important to understand kind of your role. Like, what do you tend towards? You know, or do you tend towards enmeshed? Do you tend toward de- detached? And then, like you were just saying, once you recognize that, when you get into these situations, you have to practice it now. You know, mm-hmm. it becomes like a muscle, just like any any other any other part of this emotional responding. Recognize it and then practice it, and and almost you know make it a discipline in your life. You know, yeah, and I think um, one thing we haven't talked about in a while, at least I don't think we've mentioned it, is a genogram, and um, the, I think that can help identify. <clears throat> People like in your family you're related to. And what yourself, is a genogram, Eric? Um, it's basically a map of your family, um, kind of a family tree. But then you use identifiers of you know you put a slash through like maybe an aunt and uncle got a divorce. You know they get a slash. You maybe dad died. You know so he's you know out at a certain age in your life or whatever. So you're saying it's like a relational family tree, right? The quality of relationships, right? Patterns, well, yeah. yeah. So then that can like so if you know you notice like you know cousin uh, Alfred, his parents, dad died when he was eight. He probably took on some things you know that he sure. wasn't meant to take on at eight years old, and he got some kind of form of enmeshment in some relationship in that way, and then from there you can maybe relate to him better, understand him better, and comfort him better. And or see that, oh, everybody on this side of my family, you know, has had to react to, Mm -hmm. you know, Grandma Wilma, and they're all this way. Right. Oh, well, no wonder I'm this way, and it helps me understand that more. And as as we go through this tonight, Brian, you touched on it as well. It's both in what you give, but also in what you receive. So, like, when you're giving comfort— Make sure it's good comfort and work mm-hmm. hard at being good at comfort. But conversely, whenever somebody tries to comfort you mm-hmm. and you sit there like I did that one day and go, well that, well, that didn't feel good at all. Right. Well, break it down. Why didn't it feel good? What did they say? Mm-hmm. And how was it not comfort? Yeah. And then hopefully you have somebody, and if you don't, you have us, to say, hey, look, here's where somebody tried to comfort me. And here's where they missed. Mm-hmm. And we'll not only comfort you for the missed comfort, we'll comfort you for the original pain that got overlooked yeah. and or criticized. Bef- and before we wind up, I wanted to say one more thing. I watched uh, Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker. Um, Hell of a transition. Crazy well, movie. <laughs> part, of, part of the reason I want to say this is because... I'm sure it applies. Yeah, it's like it kind of is a movie in two parts. The the first part is the build up to him losing it, and then the second part right. is him losing it. And as we're talking about enmeshment and detachment, it's interesting to see him in the beginning go from really enmeshed to completely detached. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and to see the like the the repercussions of that. So, if if you want kind of an object lesson, and it's it was just a tremendous movie. His acting was amazing. Hmm. Um, but if you wanted to see like the timeline, did you see it? Pretty yeah, dark. he had to go to some deep dark places to get that but, character. But it's you, wild. You understand what I'm saying? Like yes, you can I, see yeah. him being enmeshed with like his mom, and then all of a sudden, yeah, boom, yeah, you know. So, anyways, I thought it was as we talked about this. It was just like that kept great object on. lesson. Yeah, very much so. If um, not brutally Ugh. binary. 
like yeah. a little over the top, but yet makes an sense. exaggeration. Not of, subtle of an example. Not subtle, right? Yeah, not subtle. Yeah. No. And the acting, his acting was just phenomenal. Um, so that's it for episode two eighteen. Please make sure to give us a like or follow on social media and visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com. Again, while there, take our relational needs questionnaire like two of you have recently. Uh, thanks for joining us at the table for Lunchtime in Rome. See you next week. Bye. You said maybe you could anyhow. <laughs> and, uh, I was feeling frisky today, Doc. It went down. No Chris, Chris so won't pay attention to his phone in the most of important of times. While he's looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Over the weekend, actually, Monday night, last night, Tuesday night, um, yeah, uh, I made it's Wednesday. Uh, a lot of garlic, too. Um, How much? A lot of garlic. I was whoa woeing. The husband comes home, okay? The wife's been home. What kind of world do you live in? My bad. Uh, my how bad. dare you? Here's my food. Here's my <laughs> comfort. I don't think either are good.